Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into a Friday edition of Footnotes. I'm Blaine Fiatar filling in for Kevin Foote, who's on his way to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome to cover the rematch, LCA and STM in the Division II Select Finals today at 1 o'clock, pregame 2 o'clock, 12. Okay, Hannah's telling me 12. Hannah's still with us, holding us down behind the glass, keeping us all in check. And, of course, you can hear that game right here on 103.7 The Game. Also, pregame, immediately following footnotes with your guy, Danny Jones, breaking down all the action for that big rematch. Whew, it's going to be a barn burner. And because the game's so big, Kevin Foote's going to actually join us at 9.15. We're going to break down that LCA-STM game and also talk about high school football as a whole. One of Acadiana's very own already played in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome last night, dropping that game heartbreaking fashion. Four turnovers led to four touchdowns, and they lost that ball game. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that, where we are with the LCA-STM rematch. There's going to be points scored in that game. LCA is on an absolute tear at putting points on the board. Jawan Johnson probably going to be the best player in the area, highest-rated recruit in the area next year for the class of 2024. We'll talk to Kevin what he thinks about that matchup. Don't don't blink your eye, though. STM puts points in, up in bunches as well. They're able to, to go out there and score points. Uh, right when I was coming on air, Good friend, RP3, the bald and beautiful, of course. He asked me, what, how many points are going to be scored? I said, oh, you got to put the over under at like 85 in that game, in a high school game. And I, I could see that happening. It's like basketball on turf over there in the, in the Superdome this afternoon as both of those teams are capable of scoring in the blink of an eye. And also at 10-15, our guy, Spencer Urquhart, is going to join us. The guru, going to talk a little fantasy football. I need it. I'm in the last week of the season fighting for a, a position in the playoffs. I have a couple questions. Starter sit for Spencer, the guru. Also talk a little gambling action. See what he thinks about this weekend in the NFL as well as NBA. And, of course, we'd love to hear from all of you in Acadiana. If you guys want to hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And we can talk about whatever you guys please, whether it be high school football, little NFL, maybe a little transfer portal action, or hell, whatever you want to talk about. MLB free agency, I'm here for you this morning. And of course, if you want to check us out on the simulcast, feel free to watch us here in Acadiana on 32.3 Stadium Network, or of course on 133 LUS Fiber. Hannah, it seems like I just saw you. I was here a couple days ago filling in for RP3. I'm a little more energetic. I've had coffee this morning. <laughs> it's not quite 5.30 in the morning when I see you this time. I look alive today. You do look alive. I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> I think I'm seeing everybody double now. Like, I just talked to Danny Jones this morning. I talked to him just yesterday, and now I'm seeing you again, and I just saw you Wednesday. <laughs> seeing everybody lots of times this week. It's It's been a fun week, you know. Uh, I, I think, uh, hey, anytime I could be here with all you good folks 
on air uh, talking shop. It's always a good time. We, oh, we yeah. talked foodie Wednesday when I was here. No poll question for footnotes today, but hey, we still want the folks to call in and talk. With oh us. yeah, so talk talk to us. You can you know if you want to continue the conversation from earlier about who you think should win the Heisman Trophy, you're more welcome to do so. Vermillion Catholic not getting the dub as we all wanted. Um, I may have fake, may have told a white lie to LCA and to Danny that I think STN's going to win, but I said I think LCA's going to win. It's really hard to beat a good team twice, right? And you always give the advantage to the team who lost the first time. You know, rematch factors always in play. And and I think LCA's playing a little bit better football right now. Down the stretch in the playoffs, you're talking about a team that just ran through the playoffs, and they beat some really good teams along the way, putting up points in absolute bunches. I mean, let's talk about the run that LCA had just to get to the championship game. Of course, they came into the sixth seed, had a bye in the first round before playing a Madonna 35 team out of New Orleans. That's a team that's usually littered with athletes. Guess what? They put up 46 against that team in a 46-8 win. Who they play the next week? Oh, they went to Hoss Memphis and faced De La Salle. You want to talk about a team that's always in the playoffs deep? De La Salle. That's those guys. They got an excellent freshman running back. He's going to be an outstanding player at the next level. Oh, what, what did LCA do against them? Oh, they put up 70. And then they went into the semifinal game against the Turlings Catholic team that they beat in the regular season, and they were able to come up with the victory there, putting up a whopping 68 points. And they're able to do it kind of both ways, right? They, they're able to kind of sling the football over the yard. But if you want to get out there in your dime or nickel package and, and put DBs all over the field, they have no problem running the football. Jawan Johnson, just such a tremendous athlete. You know, a lot of folks have him penciled in to play DB at the next level, whether that's cornerback or safety. I think he's really uh, such a threat with the football in his hand he, he's kind of like a highlight reel waiting to happen each and every play. I, I kind of want to maybe see him play maybe a slot, a slot wide receiver position at the next level. Just too dangerous on his side. And, of course, STM, no slouch themselves, coming in at the number one seed after playing such a daunting schedule throughout the year and winning that district. They were able to come up 55 to nothing against Helen Cox. What would they do in the quarters? How about against a Madison prep team that you're talking about D1 athletes all over the field? They put up 56 in that ball game, winning 56 to 34. And of course, in the semifinal, a familiar foe for STM, E.D. White. Seems like they always find themselves playing against each other. They were able to kind of tighten up a little bit on defense in that semifinal matchup, scoring 38 points and winning 38 to 7. And of course, uh, you know, we, we mentioned this, it was. A rematch. This is a ball game that was a Week Ten matchup, where STM won forty-one to thirty-four. Where LCA kind of came storming back a little bit. That STM built up that lead. They were able to re uh, kind of establish themselves and making it a ball game before missing out <clears throat> on that onside kick late in the game. But uh, look, they this is an STM team. Listen to who they played this year. You know, Alexandria who has been really good over the last course of the year, 5A school that made it to the second round of the playoffs this year. Of course, Brother Martin, they beat 30-16. to 16. Brother Martin's playing for the Division I Select 
state championship tomorrow night in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And that's a Brother Morton team that beat Karenker last week. And Karenker had a lead after the third quarter. Brother Morton keeps storming back, pounding the football, putting away the Golden Bears. You know, they, they played the likes of Denham Springs. And, of course, the daunting task. How's this for the last three weeks in the regular season? Turlings Catholic, Westgate, and LCA. So they played a state semifinal team. They played a, a state quarterfinal team who's also, by the way, reigning state champion in Westgate. So they were able to handle that flying colors, going undefeated in that stretch. All closed ball games, which I think is important. They're very seasoned. LCA, too, though, very seasoned as well. Playing tight games down the stretch and coming from behind quite a few times with that potent attack on offense. Take a look on the other side of the ledger, what LCA did in the regular season. And you want to talk about a team that played a tough schedule. They opened the season with the Cadiana. They kind of got that monkey off of their back, winning that ballgame 38-21. to They played a Woodlawn team. This is a Woodlawn team that has multiple D1 commitments. Ricky Collins, LSU quarterback commit. They were able to shut that team down and win 33-12 to before playing Jesuit and Rustin, two 5A juggernauts. Rustin also playing for a state championship this weekend. That's one of their three losses on the season. That's not a loss that you kind of bat your eye at, though, 35-20 to 20 at home. That's a game, though, that LCA led late in the ball game. Rustin got back-to-back onside kicks in that game to get back in it. Of course, they lost to Terling's Catholic 21-17 and really just a great football game before really handling Westgate with ease, 37-17. And, of course, we just mentioned losing to STM in the season finale, 34-41. to So, I, I look, RP3, uh, he said it. You know, it's tough to beat a good team twice. You always got to give the edge to the team that lost that first matchup. These are two teams that are going to be well-prepared, well-coached. Um, this is an LCA team that – you know, they play for a state championship where it seems like each and every year moving up in classification this year, no problems, no issues at all, punching their ticket to the Superdome. And, of course, STM is on some special run. Really want to get to it with Kevin in the, the, the next segment at 9.15 when Kevin Foote joins us on his way to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Where do you think this team ranks in terms of STM teams in this last, you know, what, seven, eight-year run that they've had? where they've been, you know, playing for state championship after state championship. I, going into the season, I was thinking this might be a little bit of a down year for the Cougars. Boy, did they prove me wrong. But they're so well coached. You know, they might play teams that have a little bit more talent than they do, but the Cougars are going to always do everything right, putting themselves in position to, to win week in and week out. So tough. You know, when, when you know that you're not going to be able to capitalize on your opponent's mistakes. And they are able to run the football a little bit more this year. And the defense, night and day from last year. Last year, L- uh, STM made their hay on the offensive side of the football. That's where they were really good at. This year, Cougars defense, much improved. They're able to kind of get the job done and help this offense out along the way. Hannah, people keep calling and hanging up on you over there. You... Well, one person hung up and 
just now didn't want to actually talk to me, I guess. But the other guy actually was just wondering when they consider the game and where. So if you don't know by now, the STM-LCA game will be on the game. It will start with pregame at 11 a.m. with Danny Jones. with A special interview at some point in that pregame with Jim Hightower. And then you will have the game kickoff at noon. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Sharp. On the dot. We're ready to bang, roll. Bang. Hopefully ending, I don't know when. Hopefully not at like 7 o'clock. Well, look, with these two teams, <laughs> look, STM's famous for playing very long football games. That's always the joke, you know. Uh, ben Love and I have the Karen Crow call on Z1059 each and every Friday. Uh, we always joke when we get out of the our post-game show, they're typically starting the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those guys are just getting gone. So we're able to listen to Danny and Coach all the way home and catch the rest of their ball games. Uh they're going to put up a lot of points today oh, yeah. on, on that turf. I, I looked so at, I, I hope you don't have plans. <laughs> right. I, uh, I looked at the overall scores for this past season for both STM and LCA. The lowest score they put up was 28 for STM, and the lowest that LCA put up was 20. So that's just the lowest score. The highest scores are in like you know the 60s and almost 70s. and That's too many points, too much running. <laughs> <laughs> Electric football to be had today exactly. at 12 o'clock in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Of course, we crowned two champions last night. Of course, the Division One non-select Oak Grove. I heard all season long from RP3 who had him, who had the Oak Grove team in week one against OC in the St. Landry game of the week that this was a down Oak Grove team. Yeah, right. State champions in the Division Four non-select. And, of course, our beloved Vermilion Catholic from right here in Acadiana, Dropped the ball game last night to Washita Christian. Washita Christian staple in Division Four Select. They win another state championship. Of course, today twelve o'clock, just like we mentioned, number one STM, the rematch against number six LCA at twelve noon. At three thirty, the Division Three Select St. Charles, number two seed faces number four Dunham, and at seven p.m. This is going to be a matchup. I'm very interested to see number one Rustin. We mentioned them beating LCA in the regular season, coming from behind to do so. Faces number three, Destrahan. Rustin making it to the championship for the first time since the 80s, I believe. This is a story program to see them finally get over the hump and to play on the carpet in the Superdome. Got to be excited for those guys. And, of course, Destrahan always putting great teams out on the field. Come Saturday at 12 o'clock, you're going to have number four, North DeSoto, face number six, Lutcher. In the Division Two non-select, and at 3:30, Division Three non-select, number one Manny takes on number three Union Parish. That's going to be a game with uh, many recruits in it, including Thackett Curtis, the linebacker from Manny, who's committed to USC, and of course, the guy from Union, Trey Holly, the running back, committed to LSU, and of course, tomorrow night, the all-Catholic matchup. For the Division One set select state championship at 7 p.m. in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, number three John Curtis and number 13 brother Martin face off for a state title. I, I think I read somewhere yesterday that this is only the sixth time that we have an all-Catholic New Orleans League championship, state championship, which is surprising. Those guys turn out great programs year in and year out. So a lot of fun this year in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And, of course, the LHSA finally brought back 
the all-day ticket passes. So instead of having to leave each and every time a game is complete, hey, you could buy one ticket and hang out all day in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We're going to step aside and take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have our guy Kevin Foote come on and not only preview that matchup against LCA and STM, but talk about the entire high school football season from all the good teams in southwest Louisiana. So stick right here. Plenty of action still to come on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. That's a $40 voucher, and you will get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today, starting at 10 a.m., to get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Acadiana legend himself, Kevin Foote, who we're going to quickly get on over to the game hotline and bring on to join us, the very legend himself. Kevin, safe travels on the way to New Orleans, bud? Yeah, it was a little foggy at first, but now I can see in front of me, so things are going well. Good to hear, my friend. Before we get into uh, talking about that big matchup today against uh, LCA and STM in the Division Two Select State Championship game, uh, let's kind of recap the high school season as a whole for the Acadiana area. It, w- it was a good season. A lot of teams playing deep into the playoffs. Who was the biggest surprise team for you um, based off of expectations that you had for them coming into the season? Well, I mean, I thought Southside was going to be good, but I don't know. I wasn't thinking they were going to run away with the district championship like they did. So I might have to say, you know, I remember going and covering their picture day and hearing about how they were going to do all this new fancy stuff on defense, and it was going to be a little different. And, uh, you know, you never know when something like that's going to – how well it's going to work, but it worked like a charm all the way until they played Zachary. So, uh, you know, there were some other teams that certainly did very well. Opelousas, maybe, you know, might also need to be the answer to that question. I remember – Dane Chaponche said, told him after they opened the season with him, he said, I'm telling y'all, Opelousas is way better than people think. And if not for a, um, you know, a, an incredible comeback by our old friend Brent Endes and, and, uh, and Lakeshore, they, uh, you know, they'd, have, they'd have had a pretty deep playoff run. Who, who really think you think uh, set themselves up for success for next season? You know, a, a team that might have had a lot of young guys, played really well this year, maybe outperformed their expectations that you got an eye on going into the 2023 campaign? Hmm. I mean, I think there's quite a few teams that are building. We just mentioned we just mentioned two of them. Really, Opelousas is probably the answer to that question because their two best players are sophomores, and they had a – uh, and they have some really some really good offensive linemen that they're high on. So I really think 
the real answer to that question is, is, is Opelousas. And, you know, it's not it's a program that many years ago, uh, back in the 80s, they were really good and, and in the, into the early 90s, but they hadn't been real good for a while. And it seems like Coach Zachary's got it heading in the right direction. And it'd be kind of cool to have another powerhouse in the district that can show, show some consistency uh, instead of it being the same schools all the time. It really feels like the area is kind of peaking right now, especially from a player standpoint. You know, we've been having guys sign D1 scholarships year in and year out, and this year's no exception. I mean, Derek Williams, the Texas commit out of Westgate. You got Jawan Johnson, who's going to be a tremendous recruit for next year. And I know you get to see a lot of high school football. Who you really put the feather in the cap say, hey, this is the best kid I saw this year? Well, you know, I didn't see Derek play this year because when I covered Westgate, he 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 he, he wasn't playing. But I mean, you know, in terms of individual performances, I mean, it's hard to argue with what Jawan Johnson has done. I mean, he just you know, I personally am not a big fan of you know seventy to sixty football, but but I mean, as far as individual performances, it's, it's hard to beat uh, what I saw him do the other night. Let's turn our attention to that game. And, you know, it's going to be a, a track meet, I feel, tonight or this afternoon in, in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I, look, points and bunches are going to be had. Uh, do you think it really has to be that style of football game for LCA? Well, I, I, I mean, I just – I think they're going to be a lot of big plays. It's just going to – it's it's they're probably going to be one or two more punts than people are expecting, I'm thinking. But I really think it's going to be about – if they throw you the football, you better catch it because, um, you know, you, you it, turnovers. I don't consider turnovers stops, but most people do. If you don't get a turnover, uh, it, you know, change of possession is going to be different. And I think the only thing that could kind of change that is, you know, these two teams, they're not really made or created or built for these long, you know, nine, ten play drives, take five or six minutes off the clock and go 80 yards. But if either one of them can do that once or twice, I think it'd be a big feather in their cap. Of course, STM winning the, the first matchup in that Week 10 game, uh, do you think that automatically gives LCA, you know, a little bit of advantage? You know, it's tough to beat a good team twice, and usually the, the team that lost comes out on fire. Um, I mean, LCA was able to uh, put, that bed, put that to bed against Turlings in, in the semifinal matchup, but Going into this game, do you think that has a lot big factor uh, playing into the game? Yes, I, I I always tend to think the team that lost in a competitive situation, like the example I always give, if John Curtis plays my move, then it don't matter. But 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 if but if you in a competitive situation, I definitely think the the team that lost the first game has an advantage. Uh, but again, you know, it can change if you can you know get turnovers or whatever. But I no, I I think. Um, I think I think LCA is going to be tough to beat, but as St. Thomas More's offense is so good in, in so many ways, and I think the running game could give them an advantage if LCA doesn't do a better job of stopping STM's running game than they did in Week Ten. Oh, I think that's the huge difference for this STM team as a whole. Going into this season, I really thought that this might be a down season in terms for STM, which. Could still mean they have a really good year, but here we are, one loss in the regular season, playing for a state championship game, and really the difference between this year and, and years, you know, the last couple years is the defense is much improved, and they can run the football. They can, and, and Altman at quarterback, you know, I, I don't know that anybody thought this offense was going to be this explosive, and I, and the running game is a huge part of that. You're correct, 
and it also helps the offense when your defense is playing better. But um, but but Altman has really emerged. I mean, I'm not you know I'm not comparing him to Walker Howard, obviously, but but he is he's made a lot of big plays, and their passing game is still very explosive. On ST on the defensive side of the football, what, what do you think they're going to do different to kind of confuse or slow down this LCA offense? You saw Turlings last week. They tried to do numerous different things. They, you know, try to play diamond nickel coverage. All Juwan did was tuck the football and run with it. If you try to play man-on-man, he hurts you over the top. Uh, you, you think they dial up blitzes today to, to kind of slow him down, or you think they play? I, I mean, um, I would think that, that that could be. I mean, the problem with LCA is they send so many. They're so they, Their receivers are so fast. So you have to respect them. And if they send two or three of them on these go routes, you gotta you gotta defend it. And if you have if you try to defend it with any more than just one on one coverage, and then the middle of the field's wide open for Jawan to run, and that's what makes it so difficult for them. So yeah, making him throw the ball quickly um, is is a great is a great way to do it if you can make sure that. You, he doesn't get out of the pocket and then kill you with his legs. So uh, it, it's not going to be easy. It's not. Gonna, it's not a fun week at all for the two defensive coordinators. <laughs> you know that style of football too is also very scary. You know you have a week that you're off on timing. Um, three and out could happen pretty quick, and then you're putting the next potent offense back on the field. So uh, you know explosive plays are important, but sustaining drives and that way you keep the other offense off the field is going to play an important part, I believe, as well. Yeah, you know, the thing that, that, Dane, that Dane said when I interviewed him after the game the other night that coaches say all the time, and it's true, you know, it, the, old, the old cliche, it's easier said than done. He's like, we, we have nobody, we can't simulate what that guy can do on a football field, and pretty much no defense can. And so, uh, and, you know, scout squad defense can in practice. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you got to contain him and keep, all, keep him in the pocket, we're going to be good, but – uh, you know, it's it's easier to say where we're going to keep him in the pocket than actually keeping him in the pocket. Give, give me a comp on on Jawan Johnson. Who you compare him to? I, he, he's such a different player. A lot of scouts already have him listed as an athlete, probably play on the defensive side of the football at the next level. But he's so good with the football in his hands. It's hard to to see him maybe not being a slot receiver at the next level. Who who do you compare him to that you've seen previously come out the area? I don't know. When was the last time we had someone who was that fast? Could, you know, we've had some great passers in recent years, which for years never really had any uh, that many great drop back passers. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't think he'll play quarterback. Not, huh? I mean, that's, that's not going to be where he makes his hay at the next level. No, no. Right. But I'm talking about it just as a high school player. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just, um, you know, he, he not only is he fast, but he can throw the ball way down the field. I mean, you you you've got to defend, you know, the bomb so so much on him. So I don't know. I'm I'm struggling to come up with one that was played quite like him. This STM team, like like we mentioned, maybe the expectations weren't quite there at the beginning of the season. Um, where do you think this team fits in in terms of? you know, over the, the last six or seven years that they, they're on quite a run right now. Is this team one of the ones that's at the top for Coach Hightower and company? Uh, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't think their offense is, is quite as explosive as it is at a few times in the past. But in terms of what they do on defense and the offense and the running game and the schedule they played and the district they played in, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I think sometimes we try to compare too much, but 
you know, if they win this game, it's going to be hard to, to, to say that any of their other state championship seasons were better than this one. That schedule that they played was something serious. Um, on the other side of the ledger, I mean, Trev Falcon Company. Look, if people continue to, to bash this LCA program, all they did was move up in competition this year, play a tough schedule, and then come out of that three losses and then go through the playoffs the way they did. I mean, got to say something for the way that program's ran. Yeah, again, I, you know, you know, I, I heard um, someone say earlier this week, you know, the first time you win something, it's, it's extremely special, no question about that. But, I mean, if, if LCA wins today, then, I mean, I don't think there's any argument. This is, you know, be the, the most special and the best of any of the um, state championships that they won. It, it, the, the schedule they played, the district they played, just very impressive. Wrapping up right now with the Acadiana legend, Kevin Foote himself. Kevin, let's talk about the Strohs a little bit. Free agency so far, making making a couple moves. I love the Abreu move. Where where do you want to see them finish up in free agency? Uh, a couple of pieces still to add. Uh, maybe re-sign a couple guys that are uh, on the block as well. Who, who do you think that they add, and who would you like to see them add? Well, I mean, needing an outfielder. If they feel like Brantley can really do it, like really, really do it, um, I'm good with that. Uh, I'd be excited if they took a chance on Michael Conforto. Um, uh, I'd be okay, certainly, with Benintendi if they got him. But they, they, I just think they need another outfield option for sure. And I would like to get a – I mean, I would like for them just to re-sign Christian Vasquez. I, I know he was, you know, heartbroken when he wasn't with the Red Sox anymore. But, I mean, he couldn't have had that miserable of a time and went in the World Series last year. And so I would take him for sure or, some, you know, a veteran like him. I don't want to depend on Corey Lee because I keep worrying that Candy's old and beat up. They talk about all the injuries. Sooner or later, that old body's going to hit a wall, and I don't want to have to depend on a rookie catcher uh, if that happens during this coming season. So I'd like a veteran catcher to be a backup and a uh, and an outfielder. I, I'm personally very excited that we didn't get Brandon Nemo. I didn't think he was worth the price tag that he was at, asking. What, what, what do you feel about Sean Murphy? I mean, when you look at catchers, he's got to be the top of the list. Well, I would love to have Sean Murphy. Um, again, you know, they supposedly want major league ready players. I say give them Hensley and Corey Lee and, um, you know, players, a couple players like that. I mean, Jake Myers, I mean, all those guys have started major league games. I would love to have Sean Murphy. He's, he's under control. He's an elite defensive catcher. He can throw out runners, and he's got pop in his bat. I, I think he'd be perfect for the Astros, but I don't. I, I'm. It's start. It's not looking like they're going to get him. Well, I appreciate the time, Kevin. I hope you have a great time in the Crescent City. Safe travels on your way back. Thank you. I just got to ask you a question. Like, did you? How many times in in a week do you go back and and look at El Toro Grande's home run? Oh from the man! World Series? Hey, look. The, between the, the the home run against the Mariners and, and to see the 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 home run in Game Six, I, I probably have watched them numerous times. They the Astros Facebook you know page their their PR guys put on a montage this yesterday of all the great moments of Yardon Alvarez from the season. And I must have watched that at least 10 times between last night and this morning. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I did a little bit of that last night as well. All right, I appreciate you filling in. Take care. Appreciate it, Kevin.
<laughs> Our guy, Kevin Foote, host of Footnotes, and of course, just an Acadiana legend. That guy has so much knowledge, so much, he has so much, he's been in every scenario, watched every scenario. He has the, you know, he's a walking encyclopedia, and not only for the Acadiana area and the New Orleans Saints, but just sports in general. I was blessed to be in a car ride to go to game 162, Astros versus Phillies. It was RP3, Foot, and Ben Love and I. And the stories that that guy told us about past players, I, I mean, that that's what we should have had on air that day. That guy is phenomenal. His memory is incredible, and he, he really makes you think, remembering some of these old guys and, and the, the, the things he comes up with is, is just phenomenal. We're going to step aside right now and pay some bills, but when we come back, we're going to turn our attention to college football right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Get in the Christmas spirit this Saturday evening at the Delcom Boat Parade. The annual family-friendly Christmas celebration will be held from 3 to 9 p.m. at 411 South Richard Street in Delcom. Come see dozens of lighted and decorated boats while listening to Christmas music. That's the Delcom Boat Parade this Saturday night. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Kevin Foote and having a great time with all of you on this Friday morning. Of course, if you want to get in on the talk, and that could be high school football, it could be MLB free agency, NFL, or of course, transfer portal action. Hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 and come have some fun. It's Friday. Everybody should be excited, right? It's almost a weekend. A few more hours. I'm sure everybody will be in a much better mood. Big news today coming out of college football from the LSU perspective is LSU Director of Personnel Corey Phillips has been hired by Deion Sanders for a similar role in Colorado. So Deion Sanders already making moves, putting together a nice staff. I told you this the other day on RP3 and Company. I don't think Dion's the best X's and O's guy. No problem with that. You don't have to be to win. But I think he's going to be able to put together a roster. And if he allows his coaches to coach underneath them, he can make some hay. He can do some damage in Boulder. I think, look, the conference isn't great. He's going to get guys who want to play for him. The amount of guys that reach out, I mean, you get on Twitter. As soon as they announced him, I mean, anybody who's transferring, who's who, was reaching out to Dion, all these high school kids, too. He already got a five-star commit for the class of 2025 to commit to him out of IMG wide receiver within two hours of him being named the coach. So do I think Dion's the greatest coach of all time? From an X and no perspective, probably not. If he could do what Ed Ogeron did in 2019 and step back and be a CEO, allow his coaches to coach underneath him, not saying he could win a national championship, but he could probably win eight to nine games in Boulder, which would be something way better than they have been over the last couple decades. That program's been 
garbage. Transfer portal has been a huge talking point for this entire week. The amount of guys going in there looking for better opportunities has been a ton. Thousands of kids getting in there saying, I want a new home. Not enough room, though, for all these kids. So I get some folks might uh, end up sticking with the team they're at, or some folks are going to be disappointed where they land, go from Power 5 situation to, you know, Division 2 or 1AA situation. Be interesting to see where the numbers shake out as this recruiting class, or, you know, we call it recruiting class. What they should call it is just free agency period, whether it be high school kids signing or, Transfer kids signing. But the December to January window for, for, for the transfer portal is going to be quite interesting. And, of course, it's going to be big-time news a couple weeks from Wednesday where we have high school kids sign. Two weekends left for official visitors. Where does that put some programs? It's really horrible for the high school kids. How many high school kids right now might be told, hey, look, we want you, but don't sign early. we got to see what we do in the transfer portal to see if we have room for you. That's the part that's really awful, in my opinion. I, I kind of went on at length about that Wednesday on RP3 and company. I, I, I just, you got to feel for those kids. I, I just don't see any way around it how that's taking away opportunities from a 17 and 18 year old kid and giving it to a a 22 to 24 year old kid who's much more mature of course the the teams are going to take the the player with with more experience and of course this weekend is Heisman weekend started to give out awards this week the big one's going to come down on Saturday the downtown athletic club in New York city where overall favorite is Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback who transferred with his coach Lincoln Riley over to sunny LA after last season. Right now Vegas has them at minus 1600 as the favorite, which I'm kind of surprised that he's, he's that heavy at as a favorite Max Duggan, of course, coming in second choice right now, at plus 1,400, followed by Stetson Bennett at plus 4,000 and C.J. Stroud at plus 5,000. During the break, I went over and talked to RP3, and him and I shared similar thoughts on this. I think it's going to be closest vote in years. He he mentioned the Mark Ingram year throughout the week. I I could see that happening. I I don't think it's a shoe-in that Williams wins. Williams' antics, him kind of being a – a plug painting his fingernails with obscenities towards the opponent throughout the season. I think that rubs people wrong. I think that that gives people pause. Do we really want to vote for this guy? Is he a great player? Absolutely. Putting in a great situation. Of course, they got a, a great transfer wide receiver from Pitt. Addison came over, who was phenomenal last year for Pitt. Came over and they, they carved up the Pac-12 pretty good. Couldn't quite get over the hump into the college football playoff. Max Duggan had a a tremendous season. And what gutsy performance did he have, albeit in a loss? If he would have won last week, 
he would have fought back and won that ball game, man, it would have been interesting. I think Stetson Bennett is probably the dark horse for me. He doesn't have gaudy numbers. You know, he didn't play a lot deep in the ball games with Georgia being so dominant all year long. But he put up gaudy numbers against LSU a week ago in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta for the SEC championship. And that's the last thing people saw. That's going to be the last thing they remember. I Look, I, it's going to be extremely close. I think C.J. Stroud, for me, is a distance fourth. He came in as the Heisman front runner at the beginning of the season. Had a good year. Big stage. He kind of floundered, though, against Michigan. It's going to going to be interesting come Saturday night. I think it's going to be awfully close, and I'm not sold on Caleb Williams. I'm not I'm not the guru or betting man like Spencer is going to be for us in hour number two. But, man, I had a couple extra bones. I might throw it on, on Duggan or Bennett, make some, some coin at plus 1,400 and plus 4,000, respectively. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the first hour. All right, here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right, you can see it before anyone else by simply texting. Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by Abron's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back in to Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in with our guy, Kevin Foote, who's on his way to New Orleans to cover LCA and STM. Of course, you could hear that game right here on 1037 The Game, starting with kickoff at 12 and pregame with Danny Jones will start at 11 a.m. following up our show. I want to talk about one of my favorite traditions in college football, and it's the only college football game tomorrow in Division One on the football um, spectrum. It's the Army-Navy game. That is uh, one of the best traditions in all of college football. And, of course, you could hear that game kick off at 2 p.m. right here on the game. This is uh, a Navy team that is favored right now by two and a half points. And how about this? Look, Kevin said he doesn't like track meets on the field. Over under 32 and a half points. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. I... I think it's a cool tradition to see Navy and Army play each and every year. I love the pageantry of it. It's something that makes college football special. It's uh, it's one of the cool things. Hannah, where you stand on the Army-Navy debate, who you're going with tomorrow in the matchup? Navy for sure. They're why I got to live in Connecticut and Georgia as my stepdad was in the Navy. So I got to see his navy blues all the time it weren't for his wedding he just had two years ago now so always gotta be the navy it's navy marine i don't know i think that's the cool point is you know everybody has like a side that they go for in this game Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that these teams play kind of like old school football gonna see some option-based offenses and it'll be a, a much different um feel than you know say you're watching something in the pac 12 
We're throwing the football all over the field. This is going to be a uh, a game that's going to be played in between the hashes where they're going to pound the football over and over and over again. And uh, these are two programs that at one point, they were the who's who of college football. I know that's changed quite a bit, but uh, you know, tomorrow when, when they play over at uh, Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, it's going to be a, a heck of a matchup um, for, for both of these teams. It's, this is a, a, a rivalry that started back in 1890. 1890, holy smokes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, Navy won that matchup last year, 17-13. to 13. This game is historically close and low scoring. Nothing better to do tomorrow than no. sit around and watch football 2 yep. p.m. Or listen right here on the game as we'll have you all covered. It actually will be if the midshipmen win tomorrow, they will be improved to 62-53-7 against Army. Well, there you have it. It's close ball games, but we're still Man. pulling away. <laughs> Riding with the midshipmen is Miss Hannah Five Names. Apparently, Ray goes for the Army, so okay, we take got a little a, Black Knights over let's, there. But. Let's beat up on Ray to, to tomorrow at 2 p.m. We're going to step aside for the last time in the first hour. Don't go anywhere, though. We have a lot of fun to get to next hour, including Spencer Urquhart, who's going to join us at 1015, where we're going to break down all the fantasy action in this week in the NFL. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back in for hour number two of two. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for our guy, Kevin Foote, who's on his way to New Orleans to cover the Division II select side state championship game between Acadiana's own St. Thomas Moore and Lafayette Christian Academy. Going to be a great ball game, of course, all that action could start to be heard right here at 11 a.m. where Danny Jones and company come in with the pregame show. They're going to have Jim Hightower join him for a sit-down interview. Jim Hightower, the second all-time winningest coach in LHSA history. Only coach with more wins than him is another coach playing for a state championship this week, and that is J.T. Curtis, who's going to take on Brother Martin tomorrow night in the Division I Select state championship game in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. In hour number one, we spent a lot of time talking high school football. Kevin Foote joined us, and we discussed a little bit of recap for the entire year where he told us that Opelousas Catholic Southside is two surprise teams for the season. And keep an eye out on the Opelousas Tigers from St. Landry Parish as they have an opportunity next year to really make some hay. He talked about how young they were, two best players, only sophomores, going to be interesting it's always good like you mentioned to have another juggernaut within the Acadiana area and it'd be nice to have somebody from that part of Acadiana really put it together St. Landry Parish getting on the map in high school football again would be a good thing of course we did speak a little bit about transfer portal news as well as Heisman trophy of course tomorrow night they will happen in New York City at the downtown athletic club will crown the 2022 Heisman champion or Heisman Trophy winner. Be exciting to see who happens there. Right now in World Cup action, I know you guys want to hear about what's happening in the FIFA World Cup. 
It's knotted up at zero. Croatia and Brazil at halftime about to come out of that half. And, of course, at 1 p.m. today, which I think is going to be a tremendous game with the little bit I know about soccer. I don't know if Hannah has more experience there than I do. Argentina, led by probably the best player in the world, Leo Messi. They're going to take on the Netherlands team that ousted the United States on Saturday. Is that something that, that's your cup of tea there, Hannah? Is that your jam? World yeah, cup? I, uh, <clears throat> my brother played soccer growing up and we used to watch it all the time. We usually didn't try to watch the men as much because we're more to the women's side because guys is just are, they, they're, they're kind of wimps. Flop city, right? Yeah. They, it looks you like know, the NBA. you hit with the cleat and they're like, oh, I'm going to be out for the game and women, you can lose a whole tooth and they're back in the game. But, uh, no, uh, Messi is one of my favorites. My, um, my pass from Kenneth, he said I can have a pass. My pass is Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> CR7, let's go. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been an up-and-down whirlwind for FIFA. It, it's, it's a weird World Cup. We didn't usually think to see some of these teams going and beating other ones. I think it's actually really cool, the timing of the World Cup around the holidays. I think it's pretty neat. Gives it a different vibe and a different feel to it. Yeah, I mean, it does. look, it usually fills some time in, in in the summer, you know, waiting to get to football season where they're only competing against baseball. They got to compete a little bit more, a little more things to, you know, college football, NFL, what basketball going on right now in both college and NBA. But it's been pretty neat, I think, this time of year. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun kind of seeing whenever, depending on when it starts. So it who's starts. your squad? Who are you rolling with? Portugal? Your boy Ronaldo, I heard he's not even practicing, doesn't want to play with Portugal. Yeah, he's not, yeah, he's he's not practicing. He's not practicing because he, he, he'd rather go against the next team up. He wants to, you know, have a bigger reason of like, oh, here's my oh, goal score. Okay. I get to, you know, bring us to the finals, stuff like that. I guess the Messi-Ronaldo argument is kind of like the Kobe-LeBron argument. Yeah. That's fair yeah, to say. That's, okay. that's fair to say. It's very much fair to say. But uh, usually I don't – I'll watch for, you know – I'm in CR7, and I'll watch for Messi, but usually I start off every World Cup because I'm starting for Mexico well, you, and you United Mexico? States. But okay. Mexico over right. United States all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. It's part of my heritage. I'm Mexican. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's the U.S.'s biggest rival, right, in soccer, I think. I, you you yeah. can correct me if I'm wrong. Sort of, yeah. But also, I'm just, I am Mexican, so it's my one way to, like, ha-ha. All I right. actually have a, my Mexico shirt is, my jacket is at home, actually. Okay. All right. All interesting teams you pull for. Seattle Mariners, Mexico in the World <laughs> Cup. We'll hold it against you. What I will hold against the NFL for continuing to put snooze fests on Thursday night football. Yeah. Since Amazon picked that up, it's just been garbage. I want to get back into the heyday, the middle 2000s, right? From like 2004 to 2008 or nine, we used to have amazing college football games each and every Thursday. And that was my jam. I get home, watch college football. The the product that the NFL's been putting on Amazon these last this last year has been god awful. Last night, the LA Rams edged the Las Vegas Raiders 17 to 16, led by Baker Mayfield, who showed up the day before in Los Angeles to join the Rams, leads them to victory. Gets cut by the Panthers, and then he's Already there, leading them to victory. Oh, man, those are two bad teams. Awful teams. Of course, the under 
and the Rams both hit last night, where a majority of the money was actually on the over and the Raiders. Interesting there. One thing I look, the Raiders last night, you want to talk about clowns? How about when they down the punt at the one yard line? The coverage unit doing the gritty as they downing the point the punt at the one, only to see Baker lead the Rams down the field and win the football game. How? Look, come on. Dancing for punts now? That's even worse than the, the DBs, you know, the, the overthrow by 10 yards jumping up, you know, no fly zone over here when they absolutely had no opportunity to catch the football. That might be a bigger clown show than that. Dancing for downing the punt at the one-yard line before they downed it was, to me, just an all-time low. Only to see Baker drive the length of the field and put the Rams on top. But for me, I'm asking for college football back. You're not going to put primetime matchups, and nobody wants to play on Thursday, right? Nobody. Look, you, it's a short week. None of the studs want to play. It's just, that's everybody talking about protecting the player, doing all these kind of things. Those marquee games, they're not putting on Thursday night. Snooze fest after snooze fest. Give me college football. I'm a bigger college guy than NFL anyway, Hannah. So if you want to put on college football and games that matter, I remember some of those Big East matchups on Thursday nights. Man, during that 07 season alone, you saw big-time matchup after big-time matchup. I remember watching, look, one versus two, Louisville versus West Virginia on a Thursday night. Big-time football in the middle 2000s college style on Thursday nights. I want that. And it kind of had a good feel to it, too, because they had a pregame show and the halftime show was all central around the weekend coming up on college football. I want to get back to those games on Thursday night. Might have not had one last night with college football already over, but if the NFL is going to keep pouring out garbage game after garbage game, give me some meaningful football and good football on Thursday night from the college side. I'd vote for that. Are you are you an NFL or a college person, Anna, when it comes to football? Um, I feel like I'm more just now of what I've learned kind of over the past year, really almost two years now. Um, I'm more of college football than NFL just because they look, don't have I to look, players. I'll watch the Mac. Cupcakes. I'll watch those Mac games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Give me some action or some Sunbelt action on yeah. a Tuesday and Wednesday night. I'm in. I'm there. College football, that's that's where it's at. A couple, couple weeks ago, they had that snow game. It was like Eastern Michigan versus Central Michigan. You couldn't even see the field. There were like 30 people in the stands. That was a oh, ball yeah. game. <laughs> I just, I think is when it comes to the debate of like college football versus NFL, is the NFL, they want to protect the players, yada, yada, yada. But the, the college football players have more to fight for, I feel like, than the NFL. Because, yes, you want to keep your, you know, you want to have your starting position, but you still are going to get money no matter what. These guys are fighting for NIL deals now. They're fighting to stay at the starting roster spot because there's a lot more players. There's 85. Not a three-man roster like it is in the NFL. I just think it's more fight for the guys that are in college than it is for the NFL. I enjoy it. I like the pageantry of it all, too. This, the, the different traditions, the, different, the, the landscape of college football. Um, every game means something. It's not, right. you know, I mean, you, you go, hell, whoever wins the NFC South is going to probably have a losing record this year. You know, and make the playoffs. Exactly. And, and college football, each and every game matters. It just feels a little different. I, I, I much prefer the college game 
than the pros. Uh, NFL this week, couple big time matchups, and I, look, we're gonna get into it with, with the guru Spencer in the next segment when we talk fantasy as well as a little betting action as well. But a team that I think eleven and one, you're gonna you're gonna say I'm crazy. I, I find them to be pretenders a little bit in the Philadelphia Eagles as they continue to beat up on bad teams. They they don't beat. Um, if you go down the record, not many teams they beat are, are playoff hunters against the New York Giants, really a team, 7-4-1 and one, they come into that ballgame with. A surprise team, a team that nobody thought would be this good this year. This is going to be uh, an interesting ballgame uh, for sure. One, one game, though, that everybody coming into the season probably had this one circled, and they thought it would have major playoff implications and decide who's going to win the, SC, uh, the, the uh, AFC West, and that's the, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos. And uh, Russell Wilson trade has been horrendous. This offseason is going to be interesting to see what the Broncos decide to do there. Of course, for, for everybody down south, and Saints fans are, will probably be tuned in pretty heavily to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the San Francisco Giants, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the, the 49ers, for, for my money, I, I think that's the best team in the NFC. I, I think when it comes down to playoff time, that's that's who I, I, I that's who I'm riding with. Um, I, I think they got an excellent shot to go through the playoffs. But hey, Tampa coming off of a, a game we all know too well here in this part of the country. Uh, they had no business winning. <laughs> Mark Ingram puts his head down, picks up a first down, or the Saints just run the football on third down instead of running a slant to Callaway, we're probably having a different conversation. And we could probably say five or six other plays in the game, right? It was just a, a stretch of bonehead plays that we've come used to from the, the Saints this season. Uh, Tampa with Tom Brady, I love him or hate him. He's great. <laughs> He's going to have an opportunity to kind of push forward to his playoff push, and which may or may not be. His farewell song this season, we'll, we'll have to see. I, you know, you start to hear rumors and you read stuff on Twitter and, you you know, you take it with a grain of salt for sure. But Tom Brady uh, going back to the Patriots would, would be interesting. Um, Mac Jones not really living up to the hype there. They're kind of unsure of who they want to be and what they want to do. It, it'll be interesting in this offseason to see what Tom elects to do he, look, he already he put his family, uh, he put his football before family, lost his wife. He's doing all right, though. I saw he has a, a new sidekick there with him. Attended his ball game against the Saints, posted it on Instagram. He's doing fine in that department for sure. would be interested to see if he decides to come back yet again or d- hangs it up once and for all for good. I want to talk about this Sunday, though. Celebrate the holidays with uh, – Calcasieu Museum at 204 West Sailor Street in Lake Charles with holiday art under the oaks. Santa will be coming to town. We'll be visiting all the good girls and boys under the majestic Sailor Oak. There will also be an open-air market with food vendors, local artisans, and live music performed by Dominic Darbone and Wesley Roger. That's holiday arcs under the oaks this Sunday in Lake Charles. We're going to step aside, and when we come back, 
our guy, Spencer the Guru, is going to join us, and we're going to talk some fantasy football as well as a little bit of betting action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for our guy, Kevin Foote, who's on his way to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome to cover the big local matchup in the Division II select side state championship game between LCA and STM, rematch from the Week 10 contest that STM was victorious in. We're going to head on over to the game hotline and bring on our guy, the guru, Spencer Urquhart, Fantasy and betting guru, that is. Spencer, how are you on this wonderful Friday morning? Hey, good morning, Blaine. Uh, doing pretty good, man. Long time don't talk. Hope everything's treating you well over there. Coming into uh, you know our Week 14 matchups in the NFL, what do you like uh, as far from a betting perspective? Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, the Week 14 slate's a little tricky because there's not as six teams on by, so there's not quite as much to pick from, but there's a few things I like. You know, I like the I like the Bengals this week. You know, rematch against the Browns. They had lost earlier in the year against them, but I think this week they bounce back. You know, Joe Burrow is playing really well. He's got Jamar Chase back in this one. The Browns looked really bad last week. I know they won against the Texans, but they looked bad. Deshaun Watson looked very rusty, so I'm thinking that, uh, that that's my best bet of the week, Cincinnati minus five and a half. Also kind of like Minnesota as underdogs against Detroit as well as the over in the Dolphins-Chargers game. I, I like Dolphins minus three and a half against the Chargers, uh, Spencer. I, I see that. You know, the, the Chargers are kind of up and down all season long, but I, they have the worst record in the league as an underdog at 0-4 right now. The Dolphins seem to be clicking on, on all cylinders. That feels like a pretty good bet for me at minus 3.5. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, if I had to pick that one, I'd probably lean the Dolphins. It's funny you mentioned that one because Troy was texting me earlier saying, make sure you get my Dolphins credit. If, uh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't big on Tua. Before the start of the season, but he's he's played really well this year. He's been a, in a top ten, arguably top five quarterback. So yeah, I'll give him the edge there. The Chargers, man, they just they just don't seem to come up when it matters. They just they they look good on paper with Justin Herbert. You know, I think they'll be able to put up points in that one. But yeah, I have a feeling the Dolphins are going to be able to get it done. Anything that you're leaning heavy on the NBA slate over the weekend? Uh, the NBA is like not, nothing too much. I mean, because I, I usually play that day-to-day. You know, I haven't really looked at the lines much today yet. But there's usually a few things I tend to like. You know, the Pels are at home tonight against the Suns. I have a feeling I'll, I'll lean toward the Pels there because the Pels just they seem to match up well with Phoenix. And Jose Alvarado getting with, uh, messing with Chris Paul last year in the playoffs was huge. And just they just seem to, to really have their number. And now they've got Zion back. On top of it, last year they didn't even have Zion, so it's uh, it's probably a, I guess I haven't seen the line, but it's probably oh I see it now one and a half. Okay, only one and a half. So I'd uh, I'd be tempted to take the Pelicans with the money line because the way they're playing right now. 
I'm thinking they uh, that they could keep their hot streak rolling. Spencer Urquhart joins us right now on the game hotline of sports betting writer over at NOLA News. Uh, Spencer, you, you know the the Heisman ceremonies this weekend, and right now the overwhelming favorite is Caleb Williams, who you're not going to get great odds on, but there's some decent bets on uh, underneath that. You know, Duggan's the, the second choice, and you're getting plus 1,400 there, and you also could get as much as plus 4,000 on Stetson Bennett. Is, is that something that you, you look to play as well? Do you know, with, with it being such a, a close contested Heisman, I don't think anybody's going to run away with it, but it feels wide open to be such a heavy favorite on Caleb Williams. Yeah, the thing that scares me with that is that if the odds are that much in Caleb Williams' favor, that tells me he's all but locked it up. So I'd probably stay away from that. You know, a few weeks ago, there were some potential values, you know, with him and then you have Stetson. You know, Stetson would probably be one. I'd, I mean, what is he, plus 1,400. I'd maybe throw a couple bucks on him just in case. But, you know, George is the story of their season and more there. Their defense still, I'd say. So, I'd, I'd go Caleb. I mean, I think it's going to be Caleb. And obviously, there's no value to bet on him right now because he's such a heavy favorite. But he's he's going to win it. You know, he's done so much for USC. He carried their team. I don't see how he doesn't pull it off. Let's turn our attention to fantasy football now. As uh, I think many folks are battling for playoff spots uh, going into this week, uh, including myself. I have a big matchup, Spencer. I, I did the smart thing. I, I sat uh, Derek Carr last night, and I went ahead and picked up Kirk Cousins off the waiver wire, and I'm going to give him a run. Seems like I dodged a bullet last night. Who are some guys that are probably available on the waiver wire in most leagues that guys could pick up and spot start in their uh, opportunity to make the playoffs? For sure, man. Yeah, that was a good call to uh, go with Kirk Cousins instead. Uh, speaking of that game, Lions-Vikings, I think that's going to be a real high-scoring game. So, Jared Goff, a really good waiver-wire option. For those that need a QB, and then the receiver, DJ Chark, could do well. Opposite, Amon Ross St. Brown. So he's another one to look at for this weekend. Running backs, James Cook and Donovan Knight, pretty good. They're playing each other, Jets and Bills. So, they're uh, two rookie running backs on the rise that – could be pretty good, and then tight ends, not a whole lot uh, to look at. Maybe uh, Greg Dolson for Denver, being that Cortland Sutton out. Yeah, Cortland Sutton has been a disaster this year on my fantasy team. I, I finally gave up on him a few weeks back and uh, never looked back, and it, it's been working out to my advantage for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, injuries are, are going to play a key component, too, going into the weekend, and Teams are battling for their playoff spots, but we're battling for ours, too, here in fantasy land. What, what are some injuries that you're closely monitoring, and, and do you have some backup options for those guys if they can't go? For sure, yeah. They have a few, you know, the, the running back position always has a few. You know, they got the, in that Seahawks-Panthers game, Deontay Foreman and Kenneth Walker banged up. So they definitely have to monitor their practice, how much they practice today and Saturday to see if they're a go. But, yeah, they, uh, I would say if they don't go back, you know, Chuba Hubbard's a good backup for Foreman. The Seahawks don't really have a true backup, so maybe Travis Homer, but I probably wouldn't trust anyone there if Walker doesn't go. And then the receiver position, not as too many injuries this week, it doesn't look like. Uh, Mike Williams, once again, questionable. He's been out for a while. I think he'll go this week. And then uh, Trey Burke probably won't go, being he's in concussion protocol. 
So it looks all Joe Mixon that can be tricky. But it looks like Mixon should be back this week, so that's good news. And then David and Joku tied in to watch it kind of day-to-day. And then it looks like Lamar Jackson will be out. So Tyler Huntley should get to start in Baltimore. It might be a decent streamer for those that can't get golf. Looking at the, the on defense, uh, you know, this time of year where, hey, every point matters when you're trying to make it to the playoffs and battle towards a championship in fantasy land. Uh, is there a defense that you really like that might be available that somebody might be able to take a, a run at and, and pick up just for a, a one-week spot play? Yeah, yeah, defense, you know, there's usually always a few good streaming options there, and they've, they've got a few this week. It's uh, they, the, the Ravens and Steelers playing each other. I think that's going to be a low-scoring game. You know, both of those are pretty good streams. The Chiefs defense, normally I don't think of the Chiefs defense as being good for fantasy, but they're playing Denver, who you mentioned earlier with Sutton <laughs> and Russ. Is, they've been a complete disaster on offense. So I'd consider streaming them. And then the Patriots, if they're available. I don't know, the Cardinals have shown flashes on offense, but the Patriots defense, I think, will bounce back on Monday night against them. I'm currently rocking right now with with the Seahawks, you know, going against the Panthers on Sunday. You think that's a – I could just stay steady there? I think the Seahawks, yeah, I kind of like – they're okay. You know, they're like – you know, they they, they could be passable. They've been – Pretty rough on defense this year, though. So they wouldn't be one of my top recommendations. But yeah, they should get at least a handful of points. Spencer joining us right now on the game hotline, talking all things fantasy football as well as betting. Spencer, is there somebody that you like out there right now, maybe in deep uh, dynasty lineups, that somebody could pick up this late in the season and maybe look at as a potential keeper going into next year? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Yeah, I play in a few dynasties, you know, and there's usually some that I try to look at, you know, young guys that have been emerging. And i tell you what, uh, one that I picked up in one that's in the New Orleans Saint, Rashid Shaheed, man. He's really on the rise and getting more involved as a receiver. And I feel like he's, he's been legit. You know, Deontay Hardy's nowhere to be found. And Rashid Shaheed is taking that role and run with it, like their third man and kind of like slot receiver role. And he's, yeah, he's explosive. He's an explosive playmaker, and he's been trending in the right direction. So, yeah, he's definitely someone to, to, to go stash and dynasty. From your time over here in Lafayette, uh, you probably you know learned a lot about the high school football landscape here. We got a big matchup today with LCA and SDM taking each other on in the Caesars Superdome at uh, 12 o'clock. That game's going to be super high scoring. Could you give us a, a guess? Would you put the over-under on a ball game like that? Oh, man, yeah, it's tough, you know, because you never know what can happen in the dome. I mean, things can be kind of wild. Like, last night, actually, was at the, the VC Washington Christian game, and I thought that one would be a little more high score and ended up more low scoring with uh, you know, VC better on defense this year. But, yeah, LCASTM, their first match, if I remember, was a barn burner, so – Thinking this one will be similar, you know, SCM Venice and Born Burners in the state finals before. I remember that record setting one they were got into with Utah a few years back. So I'm thinking this could be similar to that. I'd probably put it somewhere in the 
in the 50s, high 50s, probably like 58 or something. Yeah, we were joking around earlier, man. I said, I think they're going to score 80 points in that ball game. It's going to be really, really high scoring as LCA has been a juggernaut on offense, and STM's definitely not one to bat an eye at. Spencer, I appreciate the time today. Appreciate all the advice you gave us. Hopefully we can lock in some fan- fantasy playoff uh, appearances. Yes, indeed. Yeah, thanks for having me, Billy. Good chopping it up with you. Spencer Urquhart joining us on the game hotline. Always good catching up with the guy. He's over in NOLA now. He's the sports guru at NOLA.com, and he was able to tell you what you need to do to win your fantasy football leagues. I got to win this week to lock in my playoff spot. Of course, the game wants to stuff your stocking with $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armator Jewelers. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armator Jewelers, the game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to turn our attention back to college football and the transfer portal. So stick right here, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for our guy, Kevin Foote, who's headed to cover the LCA STM rematch for the Division II Select State Championship, which you could hear right here on 1037 The Game. Of course, starting with that pregame show at 11 a.m., right after we wrap up, Danny Jones and company will take over. They'll have Coach Jim Hightower join them for an interview. It's always great to hear from Coach, especially one of that stature. Make sure you guys tune in for that as they get you geared up for that big matchup, which, I, I, look, Hannah, I'm excited for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tuned in. I want to see how many points are going to be scored. I want to see how many yards Jawan Johnson's going to have. be interesting to see how STM kind of combats that. We talked to Kevin Footy. He mentioned them maybe seeing a little more pressure. They don't have to get home. It's not about getting home when you blitz a guy like that. It's about forcing him off of his mark and making him get rid of the football before he wants to. They like to throw seam routes. They like to throw go routes over the top. If he can't get too comfortable in the pocket, has to get rid of the football too quickly, kind of disrupted the timing of that. I think that's going to be STM's key on defense today. Not worrying about getting home, but putting the pressure on Jawan Johnson. Might want to watch the middle of the field when you do that, though, as uh, he could kill you with his legs as well. Quick Transfer portal update, LSU, three new players in the transfer portal overnight. Kobe Fields, the former Rumble star who transferred over from South Carolina, played one year with the Tigers. He's in the portal, as well as Cole Taylor, tied in. He's also, you know, he's known for having his shoe thrown against Florida. In a game LSU had no business winning, that shoe let LSU beat a very good Florida Gators team in the Swamp and come up with the improbable victory. And Desmond Little, 
the defensive end over from Alabama. Didn't quite make it. Kind of of a tweener, outside linebacker, edge-type player. Didn't really ever get going in Baton Rouge. Of course, Radarius Jones also entering the portal, as well as Demarius McGee, Jack Besh, Antoine Sampa, Philip Webb, and Jordan Tolls all entered the portal in this window. Much improved from a year ago when LSU program was kind of in flux at this point. Guys were jumping out, going pro, opting out of the bowl game. It, it led to LSU playing Drake Kirkland in the bowl game with only 30-something scholarship players. This year, LSU playing in a – look, it's not a New Year's Six Bowl, but the Citrus Bowl is a very respectable bowl game. They're also going to play with – Way more scholarship players. Nobody opting out of the bowl game except these transfer players. Kayshawn Butte, he's coming back. A guy who seemed disconnected from the program all year long, according to fans and message board tweeters, that kind of folks. You know, he looked like he was completely disconnected, wanted no part of LSU's program. And he's bought in, hashtagging his BK takeover in his return announcement. Also, Gardner, Makai Gardner, the transfer over from UL, he said he's going to go pro but play in the bowl game, as well as Jay Ward going pro but playing in the bowl game as well. So this is a much different feel to LSU's postseason uh, as far as how they're handling the transfer portal, how they're handling the bowl game. Look, coming into the transfer portal last time, too, LSU was throwing out offers left and right. They were trying to rebuild the roster. They were looking for – Add guy, they just need to sheer numbers at that point. With so few players on the active roster on scholarship, wasn't like they were going out attacking, looking for quality. It was more about adding numbers at that point. This year, a little different. Taking their time, only putting out a handful of offers so far in this transfer portal window. I don't know if you saw just now, oh. <clears throat> actually now one minute ago now from Glenn West, says LSU offensive lineman Cam Wires in the transfer portal. Well, there you and have I it. also saw earlier from uh, Jordy Collada that the um, Denver Harris from A&M is in talkings with LSU coaches. Very, very heavily. Maybe posting his announcement later on today. Very heavily. Cam Wire, the offensive tackle over from East Ascension, never quite got going, got into the starting lineup a little bit this year. Couldn't stick, though. Got beat out by Emory Jones down the stretch, and Emory Jones played fantastic football. Was a, a All-American freshman team guy. Cam Wire kind of saw the writing on the wall, getting passed up by some of the younger guys. He's going to test the waters of the transfer portal. And Denver Harris is interesting. He was very highly recruited and was an LSU lean much through his recruit his recruitment. His dad was former LSU basketball player, Tack Miner. You might have Remember him? He was a bucket back in his day. But he was also a turnover machine when he played for John Brady in the LSU Tigers. Denver Harris went on to sign big NIL deal with Texas A&M. Never quite fit the culture there, getting suspended multiple times throughout the season. I thought that was going to be interesting, you know, and they talked about getting guys out of the portal that are not only going to be able to contribute and be players here, but also fit the culture. And you heard Brian Kelly talk a lot about looking for former guys from Louisiana and with LSU ties. Denver Harris fits the bill there. He's a guy who can contribute at a position of need. This is going to be an LSU secondary that they're going to be retooling 
They're going to be looking for a couple couple guys, Jordan Trevino as well as um, Ricks, looking to sign Desmond Ricks, the five-star cornerback out of Florida, looking to sign in the early signing period in just a couple weeks. But they're going to need to add some some bodies from the transfer portal. I think secondary is going to be a, a key component for LSU. Secondary and tight end, I would consider to be the two greatest positions of need for LSU in the transfer portal because those are positions – that you got to get guys that can contribute today. Those are guys that, look, LSU has one scholarship tied in on the roster currently, and that is another freshman, Mason Taylor, the the hero from the Alabama game. They called the two-point conversion. He had a fine season as a freshman, really developed into a solid player for LSU. Dad, Jason Taylor, former Miami Dolphin, has the bloodline, has the pedigree. But they need more bodies there. They need guys that can contribute right away. They're going to go into the portal and try to target that position as well. But Denver Harris, as you mentioned, from, from Jordy Collada, I heard the same thing. Heard he had a great talk with Brian Kelly. Looking to announce real soon LSU could be a, a landing place for him. Another guy that we really should keep an eye on, and that's Xavion Thomas, the New Orleans native who signed with Mississippi State out of high school. LSU never quite offered him out of high school. I believe he's from John Errett. He was a three-star product. The thing about him, though, is not so much from the wide receiver position, and this is, I think, all LSU fans can agree with this. Another position to need, kick returner, punt returner. Xavion Thomas was electric this year for Mississippi State one of the best returners in all of the SEC. He's going to – he entered the transfer portal yesterday. He has three years left of eligibility. I look for LSU possibly takes in an offer there pretty soon. I, I think that's something that is a known need for LSU. They'll, they'll extend the offer there. Another need, I think it's all clear there along the defensive line. That was a key component for LSU against Georgia. Jaqueline Roy playing 80-plus snaps against the Bulldogs while Georgia starters playing 35 to 36 snaps. And look, they, they were up by a ton. I get it. But they were able to rotate bodies in and out. I mean, look, when LSU had really good defenses, they were constantly rotating bodies in and out, keeping guys fresh, keeping guys ready. Well, when you only got a certain number of guys that you can see that can contribute, you're going to put your starters out there for a long extended period of time. Of course, LSU still anxiously awaiting announcements from Jaqueline Roy as well as B.J. Ojolari. I think personally, and look, I have no inside information on this. This is just me reading the tea leaves and, and, and understanding what, what these guys get into. B.J. Ojolari, he's going pro. He's a guy that's probably going to be a tweener from late first, uh, yeah, late first to early second round. He's a really smart kid, graduated in three years at LSU, already got the degree, locked in, locked up. I think he'll test the waters and enter the NFL draft. He is an edge guy. Those guys are put at a premium in the NFL. Big-time contracts, big-time money coming B.J. Ujolari's way. Of course, Jaqueline Roy, another area that we're really waiting to see for LSU. Does he go pro or does he come back? Look, in years you know, in the last few years, uh, under the, the late Les Miles era or under Ed Ogeron, all these announcements would have happened already. 
lot of these guys wouldn't even play in the bowl game. I think Jaquelin Roy comes back. Baton Rouge native, committed to LSU early in the process, decommitted only to commit back. He seems bought in to what Brian Kelly's doing and turning that culture around. Whenever you get a guy like Kayshawn Butte, who was preseason projected, projected to go early first round, as explosive as a playmaker as there was in college football, projected going into the season. After having a ho-hum season in his junior campaign, elected to come back, I think he would have still tested out of this world at the combine and probably worked his way into the first round. Might have been on the backside of it. But he's elected to come back, buying into what LSU is doing. That sets a precedent. When you get a guy who's, even though a marginal first-rounder, those are guys that wouldn't stand a chance to come back under previous regimes. Announcing early, saying he's in, that changes the culture. That changes the mindset. That changes the landscape of the program. That's what he did. It'll be interesting these next couple weeks to see how the, the rest unfolds. But if I'm a betting man, I think B.J. Ojolari goes pro. Wish him well. Great career at LSU. All-SAC performer this year. He's an edge guy. Premium-type player. He'll go pro. Jaqueline and Roy, I'll look for him to come back. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this show and put a bow on it before we send you to New Orleans with Danny Jones for the STM-LCA pregame and kickoff for 12 o'clock. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season? Look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. As members of the Reward Club, you will have an opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member at the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for our guy, the Acadiana legend Kevin Foote, who's in route. He's probably already there as he heads to the Caesars Superdome to cover the matchup in the Division II Select State Championship game as the number one. St. Thomas Moore Cougars face off against the number six Lafayette Christian Academy Knights in a rematch from a game that happened in week 10. 
it's going to be a special ball game over in the Caesars Superdome this afternoon with a lot of offense explosion. I look to see uh, STM probably coming out and establishing an early lead. S- LCA does that, though, right? It's kind of like their MO in the entire playoffs. They start off a little slow, maybe don't get their rhythm right on offense, but, boy, when they turn it on, they're almost unstoppable as they're putting up gobs of points all the way through the playoffs. And we talked about it in the opening segment, just the, the sheer run that they had into the, the, the championship game. I mean, Jawan Johnson putting up video game-type numbers. He scored eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns in games in the playoffs. This ain't against, you know, like no, no disrespect to some of these teams, but this isn't like they're playing, you know, Pine Prairie. These are big-time programs in this classification, and they went on and just put up absolute video game numbers, making light work of Madonna 35 in the second round, 46-8. to eight. De La Salle, this De La Salle program, rich history, especially over the last few years. 70 points in that ballgame? Are you kidding me? Giving up 49, though, to De La Salle as, as they were able to come up victorious in the quarterfinals. And, of course, everybody remembers the game a week ago against Turlings Catholic at Turlings Catholic, 68-46. to 46. STM? <laughs> Not so shabby themselves, beating a really good Helen Cox team in the regional round, 55 to nothing, before beating a Madison Prep team, as we mentioned, Littered with D1 athletes, 56 to 34, and beating a familiar foe, 38 to 7, in the state semifinals, all to set up the rematch that happened in week 10, where STM was able to beat LCA 41 to 34 at home. Always give the advantage, like like Foot said, you always give the advantage to. When two good teams play to whoever lost the previous matchup, be interesting to see what those guys learn. I think both teams are battle tested. Look, LCA played a tough slate, but don't bat an eye at that slate that STM played as well. Their lone loss coming to Catholic High Baton Rouge, forty-nine to twenty-eight. This is a game that they were winning deep into the fourth quarter. Don't get me wrong; Catholic pulled away. Late in that ball game, but that is a Catholic team that lost to John Curtis last week in the state semifinals as John Curtis was able to clinch another appearance in the state championship game in the Division I select side. But the week before that, <laughs> they beat the Brother Martin team, who's going to face John Curtis tomorrow night in the Caesars Superdome. So, battle tested teams facing each other, a lot of local fare. I. I think this is going to be one that we're going to be talking about for the ages. It's going to be an offensive output. I'm going to, I'm going to say whoever controls the clock and kind of the not maybe not so much the clock, but the pace of the game. They play at their own pace. They control what they want to do. Whenever you uh, play the style of play that LCA does, you you might get off the field too quick. STM has a strong running game, big offensive line. That could bode well for the Cougars down the stretch if they're able to kind of gain some momentum early in this game and control the pace, control how this game is played, I think they could come out victorious. I want to thank both of our guests today. Of course, Kevin Foote, 
the host of the show, calling in as he headed over to New Orleans. And, of course, our guy, the guru, Spencer, joining us to talk fantasy football as well as betting. Had a great time with you. Stick around, though. Right after the break, our guy, Danny Jones, is going to take over with STM pregame show right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> 